Denver Sports presents the Mile High Baseball Podcast. Here's Jake Shapiro of denversports.com. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Baseball Podcast with me, Jake Shapiro. Uh, You're joining me live from my home office uh, where I've redecorated. I've added some more baseball flavor, including my beloved A2K above my head. Ah, What a great baseball mitt. Of course, um, I'm kind of, and I think people who play baseball at like a higher level, and it's not like I was that good. I mean, I played in high school and I had an opportunity to maybe play in college, but we just have this like deep appreciation for mitts. And uh, I think when you get into any sport like that, you really get involved with the gear. Like right now, because I'm so involved with basketball, I'm so into basketball shoes and buying a lot of basketball shoes. But there was a time in baseball where I was like, have to have the flyest gear. I've have, I've got to look good, feel good, play good. Um, I have like, you know, I have like 90 baseball hats. I'm just so involved in the culture of the sport when I love the sport. And one of those things is baseball mitts. I mean, I've got, you know, my other, my other cool prize possession over here, which is a wood baseball bat, Boulder Collegians bat from the 1970s, 1980s that I won at an auction. Uh, and I worked for the Collegians summer wood ball, uh, wood bat, baseball program, collegiate, you know, just awesome times. I'm sure they're starting up their season now. Got some people over there that I'm still friends with today. But for those who didn't know, you know, you had Joe Madden, you had Joe Carter, you had Tony Gwynn play for that team all the way back in the 70s and 80s. It was it was a fantastic team and went away and came back. And I worked for the second incarnation of the team. And I won that bat at auction when I was working for that second incarnation of the team. So that's a cool prize possession. So cool to share some of uh, my gear here, but let's focus in a little bit on the Colorado Rockies. Fun game Thursday. Also not so fun in some other ways, but that was crazy. That was a crazy baseball game. I'm sitting there watching the game and I I was almost going to go. And then I was like, I don't want to ride my bike back in the rain, which we'll get to in a second. So I was like, you know, I'm going to avoid that one. You know, but like well-pitched game, you got a low-scoring game. And generally, uh, in my time covering Rockies games, when it's a little more humid, when there might be rain in the forecast, you think that they're going to be high-scoring games, actually, because water molecules make the air actually more available for the ball to go further, essentially. Um, So I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, this will be a high-scoring game. Nope. Then the later innings happened. Um, Rockies really, really quickly put up a crooked number in the bottom of the eighth. Like, so quickly that they couldn't adjust their plans to get Pierce Johnson out of the game. He was still going to close the game, even though it was a non-save situation. But things happened. They they had a rally. You you prefer it that way. They're up 6-2 to going into the ninth. And then the closer in the non-save situation thing happens, which is really rough. You had a couple of these with Wade Davis back in the day where it's like, if this guy's not in a non-save situation, I don't want him pitching. Well, Pierce Johnson might fall into that category. Uh, Two-run home run. Almost robbed by Brenton Doyle, who hammered into the fence. 
looked not good. Looked like he may have blown out his knee. They're saying knee contusion right now. I hope it's just that. Because on the same day, he debuts as the leadoff hitter for the Rockies and getting some Charlie Blackman comparisons. Of course, Charlie Blackman was oft injured early on in his career. And there are a lot of comparisons to be made between the two. So I'm like, oh, no, please don't follow Chuck on this path, too. Because the thing people forget about Chuck is he had great power, right? He was great. He was never a great defender, but he was, he was decent enough. Never had a great arm. But he had amazing speed early on in his career before the injuries. And I, I forget what the injury was, but like he broke his like arm or leg sliding into a base in Atlanta. I remember it was just really serious. So I was like, oh, no, Doyle's got the same thing. We're doing the Charlie Blackman comparisons and we just we forced it. And, and now we're getting the good and the bad. But I think he's going to be OK. Then you've got the second two run home run and boom, you're tied. Tovar walks it off. Good stuff. 7-6 win. You beat the Marlins three out of four games. And the thing about the Marlins, I think they were like 11-2 and in one-run games this year. So very hard to beat them in a close game. Uh, they are pretty decent, but because their record in one-run games are so good, their run differential kind of hints that they're a little bit fraudulent. Uh, so nice little series win, especially coming off of that Texas three-game road trip. It's a road series, I guess. Lost all three games. That was rather embarrassing. What? You got outscored. 24 plus 7 is 31 to 10. Of course, you had John Gray beat Kyle Freeland. I don't know if I should say more. Uh, Carl Kaufman made his debut. We'll see him come around again. You're also going to get this weekend... um, the Rockies pitching with what's his name? I'm sorry. Uh, Chase Anderson, who they just picked up. So that'll be interesting. Fortunately for the Rockies, it's Connor Siebel going against Max Scherzer and Chase Anderson going against Justin Ferd. So if you're going to come out to the ballpark anytime this summer, why not come see Hall of Fame pitchers on back to back days? Have you ever seen either of those guys pitch? I have. It's awesome. I'm one of those guys that was like going to Rockies games like 14 through 7, 14 through 16. I'm like, Kershaw's on the mound. Got to go see Kershaw. Hernandez is on the mound. Got to go see Hernandez. Kind of feels like where we're at right now with the Rockies. It's like, oh, Scherzer's on the mound. I'll go spend six bucks on a ticket. That's what I would do. I mean, the games are quick now. That, that I honestly, you know, it's great when you're watching at home. It's terrible when you're at the game. Not as much bang for your buck. And this is like, it, the funny thing is, you know, all the writers are always like, ah, oh, let's get the game over with. Let's get it quicker. I want to go home and see my wife and whatever. Me and my fiance both agree, who also is a writer, by the way, sports writer. We're like, I'm at a baseball game. Could go all day. I don't care. Even when I'm working. Don't care. Could go six hours long. Would love it. I wrote this article a while back about how my dream was for the Rockies. Well, not the Rockies, but particularly a Major League Baseball game to be played so long and at such a slow pace with so many extra innings that the sun would rise in the later stages of those extra innings. I think that dream is dead. 
sadly, because of the pitch clock and all the adjustments. But there was a time in baseball where that could have happened. In fact, the Philadelphia Phillies once played a doubleheader on July 4th in which the fireworks after the game were being shot off into the sun and the game ended in technical nautical twilight. So if you were on the ocean, you would see like some light on the twilight uh, on the uh, horizon, but not really on land. So we've gotten close. I thought what would need to happen is, you know, July 4th time. So near the sun's highest point, which is like what June 21st, Red Sox, Yankees, just long commercials, extra innings, maybe a little two-hour rain delay because Boston is terrible weather, something like that. We'd get there. We're never getting there now. So dream is dead. My dream is dead. I'll have to go to Alaska to watch baseball in the sun at 4 4 a.m., I guess. Okay. Big news with the Rockies today. Actual legitimate news. Um, And I haven't written this yet for the site, I'm going to get around to writing this on denversports.com, but you're, you're, you're seeing my first take right now. John Heyman has linked the Colorado Rockies to an external person for their front office, which I'll give you the name in a second, which on the surface, good. Rockies finally looking for outside help for their front office to get some opposing viewpoints. It was pointed out that Bill Schmidt would remain the GM, which I think he's doing okay. So I'm I'm not that upset about it, particularly if this person is brought in to be, you know, vice president of baseball operations or something like that, which given his resume, he could be. So on the surface, good that the Rockies are looking for outside help, outside voices. They did this with their hitting coach as well this year. So there is some signs that point to them being a little bit different than they have been in the past, a little more open to things. This person is Dayton Moore, the former head of the Royals, essentially. He champion the rebuild which Mike Moustakis was on and you know as well as Eric Cosmer and uh, Lorenzo Cain and all these really good players that won the Royals World Series and got them to another then he couldn't rebuild the team around Salvador Perez he tried a second time with Whit Merrifield failed so essentially the Royals under Dayton Moore were bad really good for a short amount of time then bad. Dick Monfort said this year that he would rather the Rockies not be like the Royals because he thinks that being continually exciting and good is better than tearing it down and then winning a World Series and then tearing it down again and winning a World Series, which is what the Royals have done, by the way. The Royals have been more successful as a franchise than the Rockies in the last 40 years, but it's required some teardowns and also a lot of bad baseball in between. Whereas the Rockies, I guess it's mediocre baseball rather than bad. So this guy is super successful. He's also got some off the field stuff. Um, that is interesting and hard to talk about in a podcast, which I'll note in the story. <laughs> that off the field stuff kind of fits perfectly into the Rockies organization. 
And he seems like, I mean, like I said in September, that this guy would be working for the Rockies. So it's no surprise to me that this is a p- possible opportunity. It is just fascinating that Dick Moffert came vehemently against the Royals' strategy for doing things, while also, by the way, five years ago was signing everyone who had a hint of Royals on them, whether it was their backup catcher or their closers. So there's some weird stuff going on between the the Rockies and the Royals on I-70. And you have to remember, Dick's like not a Denver city guy or a mountain guy. He's like a Plains, Colorado person which is a lot more like a Kansan, Kansan than a color than, than the rest of Coloradans, you know, Western slope even. So Dick probably grew up around some Royals fans, by the guess. I mean, they were around longer than the Rockies, right? Like only what five hour drive to see a major league baseball game. Doable. So that's an interesting thing that may impact the Colorado Rockies for a while, that they are linked to Dayton more. He did a good job scouting. He found some talent. He capitalized once and failed two other times. The Rockies are in a situation that requires them to probably push a little bit of a tank so that they can fully rebuild, because right now they're kind of half in, half out on a rebuild. And that's why you get stretches like you have this last month where they look legitimately good. They look like a competent baseball team as player after player gets hurt. And we know it's it's farcical, right? Like we know it's not real. They've probably saved themselves from 100 losses past that point. Whew. They'll be able to tout that for the next, you know, X amount of years. But they're nowhere near close to a, to a good baseball team, right? And, and they're going to need some some big help getting there. Um, I made a point of this on Twitter. I forget if I, I talked about this on the last podcast, but Elias Diaz, um, he's been fantastic. Uh, he's probably going to go from worst player in the National League to the Rockies All-Star, which is just a, a mind-blowing thing. The Rockies bullpen continues to be awesome. Um Doyle's been good. Gritchich has been good. You've got you've got like three or four standouts on offense and defense or offense and pitching wise. But the Doyle loss would suck if he if he has to go on the injured list today. That that would suck because he's been a positive player. And you had a game yesterday where you know he's flying around in center field. Tovar walks it off, and you're like, oh, I I can see the future here. So hopefully it continues to play out because you, you do see the future parts points um anyway i'm gonna go back to basketball now because the nuggets are in the nba finals that's crazy getting a lot of rocktober whiffs from that right boston might come back from down three nothing win four straight have no days off while the nuggets the denver team has a lot of days off boston denver please no i've done this once it was traumatic it's traumatic for all of us anyway my live baseball podcast, Jake Shapiro. Follow me on Twitter at Shapalicious. Make sure you read my latest on the Colorado Rockies at denversports.com. They've got a fun series against the New York Mets. And when I mean fun, they've got two Hall of Fame pitchers they've got to beat in the next two days. So that's crazy. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next Friday.